Hey, plumbing bros, Richard Bainey, the Million Dollar Plumber here, and welcome to episode number 24 of Potty Talk Live, where I talk to plumbing professionals just like you all over this big, beautiful world of ours. In this episode, I speak with Fred Schilling, owner of Pipeline Plumbing and Building Commissioner for the state of Florida. Lots of nuggets of gold here. Don't want to miss it. Check it out. It starts right now. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, plumbing bros. Hey, welcome to Potty Talk Live, where we take it into the trenches, the crawl spaces, the basements, the kitchens and baths all over our world. We talk to plumbing professionals just like you. Hey, I'm Richard Bainey, the Million Dollar Plumber, coming at you from Command Central here in Indianapolis, Indiana, where it's another cold. In fact, the rain, it stopped raining. That's the good news. The bad news is it started snowing. We got, we got snow here in April, so it's here in Indiana. So, um, hey, we're talking with a cool cat out of Florida here in just a moment. So we'll get a little ray of sunshine there. Looking forward to uh, talking with this guy. I hope you guys are too. It's going to be a great, fun interview. And um, so uh, stick around. Have your questions ready. All right? All right? We're going to have some good, good stories here as well. So, hey, just wanted to, uh, right before, um, and uh, hey, got the lovely Laura with me again tonight. Hey, sweetheart. I love that we're doing this now in the evening because we get to be together, you know? All right, here we go. But we just got that. I don't want to mention his name, but we just had a brother get injured on the job today. And it just, just reminded me, you know, I, and I feel like, you know, with, with our guys, I was always, you know, like our kids and I'm getting to know all you guys. I got all these kids all over the, all over the world, literally. And it's about, uh, it's making me uh, stressing me out just a little bit here. It reminded me, hey, you know, we got great jobs, but our jobs are dangerous. And uh, we had a brother today that um, went into what, what a flooded basement, and then uh, the power wasn't off and got shocked. In fact, it happened yesterday. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, happened yesterday, and so he's been in the hospital. So he's he's okay now, still a little shaken up. But man, just a reminder, guys, that. Um, you know, it's so easy just to kind of get in that routine. You know, I was reminded I don't, I don't tell the the lovely Laura everything that happened, uh, that's happened, this kind of stuff I got into. And, but it's so simple to do something stupid. You know, and that is the word. I know. You know, it's not PC. Uh, you know, I can hear my kids saying, "Don't say stupid, Daddy," but um, you know, it is stupid. We can get we can get kind of do something stupid, and and then it can get hurt or even killed that quickly. I think at the times when I was in flooded crawl spaces and and a couple of times getting shocked and and uh, even uh, even some greater power than that going on. Um, never trench, guys. Never never when when you're digging. I know it looks so easy. You can just jump down there, you know. But you got any trench, you know, even if it's just four foot deep. I mean, I mean, guys, you can you can die in that kind of situation. So um, just just be careful out there. All right, okay. Please be careful. Just just think. All right, think. All right, use this tool up here as well. There we go. Hey, before we get uh, bring on our special guest here, just I uh, have something uh, for you here. I got a I got a free gift for you. All right. Hey, if you're a guy, you know you're your brother here that has your plumbing license. You know you got your plumbing truck, and uh, you got the plumbing dream of taking over the plumbing world. In fact, talking with our guest here, we all we've all had that, been there, and done that. Hey, but the, but there's some things you got to know. Okay. And uh, I, I put it down on my, my free report, the seven must knows to be a million dollar plumber. Look, you got to know these things, all right? Um, 
I've already, uh, you know, why, why go uh, waste all the time and money yourself figuring out? I mean, um, you know, not necessarily rocket science. You eventually can figure out if, if, if you survive. But if you don't know these things, you'll fail. Okay, but I have them down for you. There's seven keys you must know. Hey, it's a free report. It's free to you. Just simply type free in the comments. That's F-R-E-E, and I'll get that uh, report out to you. Okay, it's just uh, type free in the, in the comments, and I'll get the seven must-knows to be a million-dollar plumber out to you. All right. Hey, let's get to our guest. I'm excited to get to our guest here. You guys get ready with, for your questions here. We'll try to uh, keep our eye on the, on the questions here, but we have Mr. Fred Schilling. Of Plumbers Without Borders. Hey, Fred, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm great, Rich. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, it's good. Uh, and it's fun having you on the show. You know, so uh, you're not outside, though. I was hoping we'd see a little uh, Florida sunshine. I, I need some Florida sunshine. But uh, but I, I guess I'll take you. You got a smiling face. I'll take the smile, man. I'll take the smile. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, tell us how... Um, I, I want to get to uh, talking about um, Plumbers Without Borders, um, you know, a cool organization, and uh, we want to talk about that. But um, first, you know, tell us how, how you got in plumbing. Sure. Well, uh, you know, for me, it was an accident, you know, and I speak about this on a regular basis, you know, because most people and, you know, like all the rest of the plumbers that, you know, your viewers and listeners, right. it's like everyone thinks, well, if you're a plumber, it's because your dad was a plumber, your brother is a plumber, your uncle was a plumber. Nobody in my family was ever a plumber, and, and I had no intention of ever getting into the, the plumbing uh, uh, career. It just happened by, uh, I guess, by kind of like accident, forced into it. So I was uh, drafted at 18 years old, and instead of joining the Army or being drafted into the Army, I decided to join the Air Force. So I go to basic training in Texas and realize that I'm partially colorblind, and I have the choice of three careers. One, I can drive the garbage truck. Two, I can paint the buildings because they're all the same color and nobody cares if you're colorblind or not. Or three, you could be a, the plumber. And so I thought that there was a plumber that lived down the street from my folks and was a nice guy. It seemed like he had a nice life. So I thought out of those three choices, plumbing is it. So uh, so off I went and uh, the Air Force didn't have a school for plumbers. They uh, sent me to uh, uh, Port Wyoming, California to uh, study plumbing with the Navy Seabees. So I spent a, almost a year out there in uh, Port Wyoming, California. And then uh, for the rest of my three years in the Air Force, I spent a year in Korea where I built uh, buildings, apartment buildings in uh, South Korea. And then I spent two years in Maine where I also was an oil burner mechanic uh, up there. So, uh, so I learned that trade as well. And uh, so, of course, uh, you know, I grew up as a, as a professional drummer. And uh, when I came back from the service, I kind of realized that uh, I really wasn't that keen on going to work at 3 o'clock in the morning and working until sunup. You know, I kind of like getting up in the morning and going to work, you know. So, so it looked to me like it's going to be a good uh, career move. And so I, I stuck with it, as they say. And uh, so I got a job with the mayor of Miami Beach, who was one of the first early plumbers here in uh, South Florida. And uh, it was a tremendous uh, four years that I spent there working for the, the family and uh, learned a tremendous amount from them. And then uh, when I was, uh, I think I'm the youngest uh, uh, plumber in uh, Florida history to be a, become a master plumber. So I got my master's at 25, which is really is unheard of. Um, yeah. And, and I jumped right into building buildings. And so I built, uh, I took on jobs immediately. And so I think I got my license like in June and in September, I was building a 10 story building on Miami Beach. <laughs> I probably was not qualified to do, but uh, I, I I made my way through it, and uh, so now we're we're uh, our family plumbing company. Forty two years later, we we're the contractor for the city of Miami Beach, 
And uh, so I drive by that building on a regular basis. <laughs> so it's still, the plumbing's still running, right? It's still working? Yeah, so you didn't right, right, right. And, and, you know, so, so that's kind of how I got into it. And I, I really just dug it. You know, I mean, I really, uh, my, uh, my career in plumbing up until the last four or five years of my semi-retirement is that we just pounded out buildings. We weren't service plumbers. We weren't residential plumbers. We bid and aggressively pursued every commercial building that was going to be built here in South Florida. And uh, so I built a thousand of them. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. A thousand commercial buildings. Okay. And uh, we built hospitals, we built shopping centers, public schools, uh, office buildings, uh, you know, restaurants, uh, tons of restaurants. Hey, we got one. We got one of your fans here. On uh, looks like uh, Tanya says, "I'm not a plumber, but I'm a fan of Fred's." All right, there we yeah. go. <laughs> Hi, Tanya. All right, good friend of the family. She's a sweetheart. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, so that that's kind of how I, I got into it, and how I rolled into it. And so I really enjoyed the uh, whole process of the construction. You know, for me as a musician, mm. I looked at it as like I'm in the orchestra. You know, and we we have all these you know, is- trades people. Who are like the musicians in the orchestra and the conductor who is the superintendent i guess you could say stands up there with the baton and leads us through from the ground roof to the final inspection and so uh, so i, I really uh, I, I enjoyed that tremendously and uh, i got i found that i i got so much satisfaction out of building the buildings you know that uh, it really was the the energy that kept driving me you know oh man and, so, uh, this, that story is so common, Fred, um, you know, with the idea of just not expecting and falling into it at that level, you know, just, uh, you know, finding yourself in, in plumbing. Um, right. Also, I'm surprised at how many guys are, are musically inclined. You know, there's, a, there's that artistic side. I'm, I'm, I have a background in music, it's time in Nashville, you know, that, that kind of a thing. And, and I did, I did, you know, I got plumbing jobs. I, I did plumbing job. My first, uh, I got my master's license. So it was in, in Nashville and I really wanted this job because it kept me in Nashville. You don't make any money playing music in Nashville. And, sure. um, and so I got, got with this plumbing company and, um, they asked me if I, you know, if I ever did new construction, I, well, I had that new construction experience. Um, but they, this, I kind of led them to believe that I could run the new construction project. So went out and built this four story hotel. It took me out to this open property, and with just the, the truck, you know, a semi truck with some flies in it and some prints, you know, and I never done anything like that in my life, <laughs> you know, but it's still standing, you know, and I, I was able to figure it out, but uh, you just got to jump into it. You were telling me before uh, we started how you just kind of, you, you jumped in and started your business. Can you uh, tell the guys about that? You know, I think the guys will relate to this. It's, it's so common. Yeah. So, you know, I like most of the plumbers that are listening in, in on, on, on the site here today is like, you know, I, I like to think of myself an expert plumber, super mechanic, terrible business person, you know, because I don't have a business background or I didn't have a business background in 1975 when I started. So, uh, you know, I, you know, like I said, I worked for the mayor of Miami Beach, who was a successful plumbing contractor, and I paid real close attention to how they operated and, you know, what they did and, you know, kind of, you know, mirrored everything like that. So, so I saved up $25,000. I bought a brand new step van. I got my insurance. I got a rigid K60 sewer machine, snap cutters, and I got all the tools and everything. And so I'd get up in the morning at my house and I'd, you know, get my work clothes on and I'd have a cup of coffee and I'd think to myself, well, heck, I'm, where am I going? I don't, I don't have any jobs. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> 
I missed that because that seems like that's damn important. You know, right. right. I, I got the nice I got the nice truck. I got the good tools. You know, I'm looking good yeah. and sharp. Hey, but no one to work I for. Just, the minute that I got my license, the whole world would come knocking at my door. That's right. You know? right. So what did you do? What did you do? It didn't happen. So so I was living in, uh, by uh, on the beach in uh, Hollywood then, and uh, you know, so I'm a surfer, and so I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to look for work, let's work for work on the beach. Of course, <laughs> why not? Good place to work. <laughs> so back then in 1975, Hollywood Beach had uh, tons of little ma pa hotels and motels and little apartment things. So so I thought, well, you know, back then the Yellow Pages was the key thing for mm -hmm. plumbers to advertise and get work, and so I had missed the cutoff for the Yellow Pages, so that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> So I had a stack of business cards, and so I parked my truck at the north end of the beach, and the beach goes for about three or four miles. So I spent about six or seven days, and every day I would go there, and I would park my truck, and I walked up and down every one of those streets, and I knocked on yeah. every person's door, and right. uh, had my wrap ready to go. You know, they'd come to the door, and I'd have a card ready, and I'd say, hey, you know, I'm a new plumber in town, and I'm licensed and insured. If you ever have a problem, give me a call. So I kept moving. I kept, you know, for seven days because I don't have any customers. So what else am I going to do, right? right? So I knocked hundreds and hundreds of doors. Make a long story short. So at the end of that year, my younger brother, who was my only employee, my helper at the time, so we made about $285,000 from passing out those cards. In 1975. 1975 money. Right. Right. And of course, back then, you know, we would cut the floor and chip the concrete out. Heck, we'd pour the concrete back. You do whatever it took. Yeah, whatever it took to keep, you know, some income going. You know? Right. And uh, as I was telling you, then one day, you know, I got, I had a lot of lucky breaks. I've uh, been really fortunate and lucky in my plumbing career. So so one day a guy calls me on the phone and says, hey, you know, this uh, McDonald's has got this crazy idea. They're going to do a thing called a drive-through window. And uh, we, we'd like you to give us a price for a floor drain and a roof drain and a water line on this new crazy thing. We don't know if it's going to be successful or not, but they're going to try this. They're going to do a drive-through window. So, of course, you know, I was eager to get a chance to work at a McDonald's, you know, because I thought that'd be a good client to have, right? And uh, so, anyway, long story short, so I built 58 McDonald's restaurants from the Florida Keys to uh, <laughs> middle, of, uh, middle of Florida. So, I guess I did a good job on the floor drain. <laughs> you, you did all right. Uh, it, it must like the floor drain. Hey, guys, if you're listening up, I mean, it, it just comes down to hustling. I mean, it, it's hustle. There's, there's no um, real secret sauce or some kind of special magic potion that you do. It's getting out there and uh, knocking on doors and uh, ask, asking for the work. I mean, yeah, one of the things we always, we, you know, because I get to, I speak to a lot of youth groups, you know, in my older age now as a, you know, kind of a senior plumber, I guess, you know, to inspire people. One of the things I, you know, keyed into what you just said is that nobody ever came to the door of our plumbing office and shoved a, a job down my throat. Years, I had to go chase every one of those jobs. So, yeah, if you think that it's just going to come flowing to you without you getting up and getting energized and, you know, going out there and chasing it, you have to chase it. Whether you're doing service, residential service, or you're building new construction, residential, whatever it is, you have to chase it. You know, we were right. speaking earlier about how, you know, my primary uh, career was, you know, I built a thousand buildings as a plumbing contractor. And I chased every one of those 1,000 buildings down and, uh, you know, through using, you know, whatever tools were available, you know, Dodge Report, any kind of uh, 
uh, you know, online information thing. You know, we chased everything down. So essentially for probably 30 years, I knew every commercial building that was coming up for bid uh, mm -hmm. between like uh, West Palm Beach and the Florida Keys. And, uh, and I, you know, if you have to bid 15 to get one, I would go chase them down. And if I had to drive 45 miles to get the plans, that's what I did. And, exactly. Uh, well, we were talking beforehand. That's like, um, it's really, it's, it's, uh, it's more than just plumbing, right? And today, you, I mean. Yeah. 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 You just, you know, yeah, we're all good mechanics, right? Right. I mean, you know, when you do it, we're all the best. You ask yeah. any one of us, I'm the best. Right. I am. Yeah, and, uh, and you have to promote that. You know, we were talking right. to like to be successful today, and as a plumbing contractor, you have to be part PT Barnum to promote right. yourself. But then you have to be a MacGyver because you have to be <laughs> able to be resourceful, and you've got to be able to deliver the product after you win the job. You know, so, exactly. So, so that uh, yeah, you have to constantly be marketing yourself on a daily basis. If you go out to breakfast at a at a breakfast uh, you know, diner. Make sure that that owner or that operator of that restaurant knows that you are the best plumber in the world. And, uh, you know, if he's calling somebody else, he's making a mistake. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so never stop promoting that. You know? Exactly. So, if you're in residential service, you know, talk with guys. Hey, you can't be too proud to walk your, walk your neighborhood. At least walk your neighborhood in the evening right. and knock on the doors, you know, and, and let them know who you are. You're a neighbor, and, um, but you're also a plumber. And you'll take care of them. You're going to take extra good care of them because they're your neighbor, you know. And of um, right. And uh, that that's just part of that's part of the game. And you, you got to realize that it's more than just broke fix. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, be successful. When I, when I came back from the service, I worked for a politician. Mayor of Miami Beach. So you know, so I, I you know I I paid attention to that you know. And there there is there is some politics involved, um, both in the aspect of somewhat of the business, depending on what part of plumbing you get into, but on how you deal with people. Um, sure. You know, you're wearing different hats. I think I think you said it before when we were starting. We we're talking in the green room that um, you know you're wearing a different hat as you you're walking in. You know, you're one like you said. Well, you're one part PT Barnum. You know, next part, you know, one part MacGyver. And so it's things you got to get down there. So, hey, you, uh, but you went on. Um, aren't you, uh, you know, you're, you're involved. You are involved on in the political side of things. You're Florida yes. uh, commissioner. Yes, Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Appointed by the uh, governor as I hold the legislative uh, position here in Florida. I'm a building commissioner. So my title is a commissioner on the Florida Building Commission. And uh, the Florida Building Commission is a, uh, as, uh, as a, a group of uh, 17 uh, uh, professionals in the building construction industry from architects, engineers, uh, uh, you know, we have some roofers, we have a uh, pool contractor, electrical contractor, and I happen to be the plumbing contractor. And uh, so we're basically the Supreme Court of building construction for the state of Florida. And we control the building code. Uh, we issue the building code. We edit the building code. We uh, adjust the building code, modify it. Uh, we 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 review any uh, issues that come up. Uh, you know, glitches in the code. And if any of the local inspectors have uh, issues that they're not able to resolve, it'll come before us, and we rule on it. And there's no appeal. That's the final decision. Mm -hmm. So uh, so it's a, a supreme honor to be you know selected. Yeah. We have fourteen thousand. Uh, certified uh, plumbing contractors here in the state of Florida. So for me to be chosen to be the representative, so to speak, for for all of my fellow plumbers is, uh, you know, it's a tremendous honor to say the least. 
Oh, it certainly is. It's pretty cool, man. All right. And you guys, you know, you're hearing it. I just, uh, you know, you're hearing a guy here that, um, you know, spent some time in the service, got out, wound up, wound up in plumbing, um, but was willing to hustle. And um, plumbing, it sounds like, you know, plumbing gave uh, he and his family a good life. And uh, now he's, you know, he's involved in things. You know, Fred, you're involved in things that may sound uh, pretty heady to us all. Um, but, um, you know, we all, we all can do it, right? Would you Rick, say that to, to the young guns that are listening? Absolutely. I mean, if I could do it, you know, I'm, uh, I'm no special person, you know, I'm just, uh, started off as a regular plumber like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I always, uh, you know, I think the military, you were in the Navy, you know, so I was in yeah. the service. I think the military teaches you, you know, to always strive to be, you know, at the very top of your game, whatever that game happens to be. And I think that my dad, when I was young, you know, always impressed upon me that, you know, and, you know, a lot of dads say this to their sons, you know, it's like, I don't care what you turn out to be as long as you are the best, you know. Right. And so I think that I, I pulled that off, you know, so. Uh, no, most definitely. And, you know, I, I talk with these guys, um, you know, and that's what I enjoy, you know, even, you know, as we sold our plumbing company and, and I just didn't have it. You know, I get asked, you know, why didn't we just start playing golf or just, you know, float off somewhere? Um, I just, I just felt uh, as we were talking before, just we, just we love plumbing and being around the guys, and I, and I tell the guy, I just want the, the young guys to know that, you know, it's never been a better opportunity, to, um, you know, to have a great career at a minimum, or even to do your own thing. You know, that's exciting times, Fred. What has you, you know, fired up or excited? I mean, you, you you've seen it, all, you're seeing it at all different levels. What, what has you fired up about the, the plumbing trade? So what's kept me fired up is that it's a tremendous, and we all uh, experience this, I'm sure you have too, you know, when, when we build new buildings, like I said, I built a thousand buildings here in South Florida. So it's a tremendous feeling of accomplishment. And I think that that's the driving force that, that uh, propelled me over the decades is that, uh, you know, uh, you can imagine, you know, we're plumbers, I'm on the road every day, we're traveling all over the place, that's the nature of what we do. So there's never a day that... Uh, that I don't drive somewhere and see one of the buildings that I built, you know, and, uh, you know, we were talking earlier. So I, I think I got my license at 25 years old in the month of June in September, I was building eight story building on Miami beach and, uh, I'm on Miami beach regularly now because we're the contractor for the city. And I drive by that building probably once a week. And, yeah. uh, you know, that was 1975. Oh. So, so I think that, you know, that's and whatever it is, whether, you know, you can build a custom house and drive by that custom house. You know, you take your children by that house and, uh, you know, tell them the story about, uh, you know, when they were, you know, a toddler or so and you were building that house and they were going to, you know, kindergarten that's- or something. You know, it's 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 that, you know, and so but you can relate that down to the, the water heater that you installed today. You know, you that's right. Second. And now with everybody's got a camera, you know, my, all my plumbers today, you know, I constantly get pictures, you know, and, uh, and uh, so I think that that's, that's what's kept the juices flowing in me is that I love that feeling of accomplishment. You know? Yeah, most certainly. You know, in fact, it's funny you mentioned that. I drove by a home today, and it just had it just had that thought. I, I remember doing the the remodel on it, and I can I can actually picture being in there and what we work with. What gave me a problem? I mean, it just took me yeah. back, and that's probably 15 years ago. You know, it's just pretty. It's, it's, you know, not as long as 75, but you know, it's pretty cool. You know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. so yep, it, it's great. It's a great opportunity for the young guys. Hey, let's switch it up. I do want to talk about um, plumbers without borders. So, you know, how'd you get involved in this organization? And let's, let's hear about it. Yeah. So I was bored. 
Okay. Your boy. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, so it was about uh, 2010, I guess it was. And, you know, for us here in uh, South Florida, the economy was tanking. And in 2010, uh, I had about uh, 45 plumbers work for us. And our primary uh, business model was we built high-rise condominiums. You know, we built skyscrapers. We built big projects. And that's what we did. So, you know, like I said before, we weren't service plumbers. We don't do residential. We build buildings, big buildings. And so in 2010, it was boom, like the light switch got turned off. And all of a sudden, we couldn't give a job away. So we went from having 45 plumbers to five plumbers, okay, and because we just we didn't have any work. And uh, so my son had come back from the Navy, and uh, he's 35 now. And so he joined the business, and uh, and I get a lot of criticism. So thanks for having me join the business as the business, you know, falls on its face. I mean, it didn't fall on its face, but, you know, the, the economy just tanked. So, so I thought this is a good time for me to transition into retiring, you know, and uh, semi-retirement. So I've got my son to run the business, and so it gives me some free time. So I've always been a member of the World Plumbing Council, and so I was on the phone with a friend of mine in Ohio, and, uh, and I'll tell more about that as I went to Africa to address the uh, World Plumbing Council uh, in a year or so ago. But uh, so I was on the phone with a friend of mine in Ohio and just having a conversation. I'm also uh, uh, one of the board members of the ASSE, and uh, I've written some numerous white papers about scalding and so forth with this uh, fellow in, uh, in Ohio. So somehow the conversation got to be, it's like, well, you know, I'd like to be more involved in the World Plumbing Council, but they're down in Australia and I'm here in the United States. And, you know, so one thing led to another. And he said that uh, he had been at the World Plumbing Council meeting in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, a few months before. And he said there was a couple of plumbers from Seattle that got up and spoke about this concept that they were considering called Plumbers Without Borders. And he goes, so here's the guy's number in Seattle, so why don't you give him a call and see if maybe you could get into that. And that would be a, a way that, you know, you could uh, give back, you know, for all the good of uh, that plumbing has brought to us, you know. So anyway, so I did a little bit of phone tag, and Domenico Di Ruggiero is about my age and uh, rides a Harley like I do, you know. So plumber his whole life like me. And so, you know, we all, you know, we're, we're the brotherhood, right? So That's we right. Off and we talked about how... Uh, you know, we could do good and, you know, that, uh, you know, there's a, there's an opportunity for plumbers to give back in this, this, this arrangement. And uh, so we got off the phone and we agreed that, you know, we'd stay in communication and we'd see, you know, what could develop. So coincidentally, it was about the time that the earthquake struck uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti in January of 2010. And so uh, about three or four days later, Domenico calls back and says, uh, so can you go to Haiti next Wednesday? You know, and so I thought, whoa, you know. That's that's really jumping into it, isn't it? You know, I mean, we just had a major earthquake, and so I just had a phone conversation about the possibilities of, of the, do, working with this. And now I'm going to go to Haiti in a couple of days, and they just had a, you know, a major, you know, one of, a biblical catastrophe to say right. the least. So anyway, so that Tuesday, so I get on the plane and think about it, you know. By myself, I've never been to Haiti. I don't know anybody in Haiti. And uh, so I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to go over there and check it out, right? Because obviously, from what I could see on the newsreels, they need plumbers. So I'll be able to, and, you know, so I've been a plumbing contractor for 40 years. I'm a good negotiator. I'm a good people person. I'll weave my way through this catastrophe and see if we can't bring some good out of this. So, so it's kind of like the guinea pig, right? So I go over to Haiti and flying over there on the plane, I'm trying to, you know, prepare myself for what I might be doing. So I thought, well, you know, I had a seismic event. So with the water mains, you know, we got mechanical joint water mains and they're disrupted. And, you know, so I'm going to get some mechanical 
fittings and some pipe and we'll get some concrete and some equipment and labor should be easy because they've got millions of people standing around. Uh, little by little, I'll get this water back on. I know I can do this because, you know, I built the world's largest water theme park in 1982, Six Flags Atlantis. Here we so go. <laughs> Big jobs are, are my thing, you know, so I wasn't intimidated by it at all. You know, you want to replace the country, I can do that. We can do know? it. So, so I get over there, and so I was introduced to a woman uh, uh, that introduced me to uh, uh, a major in the uh, Salvation Army, Major Bushrow, who was from Kentucky, and he had lived in Haiti for about a decade before the earthquake. So I sat down to talk with him, and it was easy for me to relate to him because once, we, for one, we spoke the same language. Because remember, I don't speak Creole, and uh, so he explained to me that uh, that there are no water mains in Haiti, you know. And so my idea of you know digging up the ground and you know putting some forty fives and you know getting some thrust blocks, <laughs> high rods, and all that, none a of that few, was a few happen. shark bites, and you're done, right? Okay, <laughs> there isn't any water in Haiti. You know, so I thought, oh, boy, this is really a problem because I'm really going to have to come up with plan B. So, you know, we're plumbers, right? So we're, we're resourceful. We have to go right. to, from plan A to plan B to plan C. And in building new buildings, I was ready to go to plan Z, if necessary, to whatever it took to, you know, complete the job. So I thought, well, this is a problem, you know, because we have 10 million people here and nobody's got any water to drink. This is a gigantic problem. And you have to realize that uh, 250,000 people died in that earthquake. And I get the chance to speak to about this all over the world. And so the best way to keep that in mind is everyone's seen the pictures of Woodstock, right? And that was 250,000 people at Woodstock. So when you think about it in that capacity, that's a real eye-opener, isn't it? You know, 250,000. Mm -hmm. Everybody at Woodstock died in a couple of minutes over the earthquake. So it was, it was just mind-boggling, you know. And, and, it was, and I spent a year in Korea as, uh, in my military service, and so I thought I'd seen a lot of, you know, third world and a lot of, you know, devastation, a lot of difficulty in life, but nothing, nothing could prepare anybody for 250,000 uh, victims of an earthquake in a, you know, centralized city. So, uh, so we started getting partners, and so we partnered up with uh, Seattle University Civil Engineering Environmental Science Department because we had found out that they had been doing some projects in Haiti before the earthquake. And the graduate students have a group called Water for Humans, and they designed these water purification systems. And they had sent them down to Haiti before the earthquake, but no one could figure out how to put them together. So they just sat in a box for like a year or two in, uh, in a technical school. So they asked me if I'd go to the technical school and teach the students how to install these water purification systems. So anyway, long story short, so we have 19 of those systems functioning up and going in Haiti today, and each one of them makes 10,000 gallons of water every 24 hours, hmm. which, you know, is, an, is a major game changer. And so we partnered, and again, you know, Plumbers Without Borders is all about partners, and we have tons of partners all over the world. And so we partnered up, we figured, well, Fred's not going to be able to do all these projects here in the country of Haiti, we're going to need help. So we partnered with a, a technical school called Haiti Tech that actually has a plumbing program. So we began to do workshops there and teach these students so that they could install the water purification system. So, so we're, that's just one aspect of what we've done, and that's just the country of Haiti. So imagine that we went from that to now I have those students who have graduated from the class are employees of Andrea Bocelli, the opera singer, who does amazing work in Haiti. Oh, yeah. And, and, and those students now go out and install the water purification systems by themselves. So that was exactly what our goal was, is that, you know, not for us to go down and do like performance art plumbing, we call it, you know, where right. it's in 
and watch us, you know, put pipes together, you know, we want them to do it, you know, and, and that was our goal, you know, is that, you know, we don't do, we, we, we instruct, we assist, we inspire, uh, you know, we educate that that's what we do. And, you know, in a simpler way, we, we give out uh, fishing poles. We don't give out fish dinners, you know, right. so you teach them uh, to fish, teach them to fish. Yeah. That's been it. So, uh, so uh, American Standard is our corporate sponsor and has mm -hmm. been almost at the beginning. And so uh, then uh, when I would come back, I've been to Haiti about 15 or 18 times. And so when I would come back, you know, people would say, well, that's great. You know, you've got this concept with the water, but what about the sanitation? Mm -hmm. And for the year or two after the earthquake, you know, we just, what my response was is that we're so focused on trying to, you know, keep people from dying by putting, you know, clean, potable, safe water in their mouths that, you know, we're not really worried about the sanitation aspect of it. Wherever it goes, it goes, you know. I mean, we're dealing with a biblical uh, situation. You have to understand that. You know, this is not like going to plumb a house. We're dealing with a country with 10 million people, and yeah. we are plumbers for all 10 million people, right? So we've got to come up with some 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 real uh, interesting initiatives that can be successful in this atmosphere that we're, we're thrust into. So... Uh, in uh, about four or five years ago, the Gates Foundation offered up a challenge for someone to reinvent the toilet. They would give them $5 million. All of us plumbers heard that story, right? So mm -hmm. American Standard Corporate Sponsor won that, that grant and created this product called the Sado Toilet. And the Sado Toilet is now considered to be one of the most important inventions of the 21st century. And it's just a funnel with a flap on the bottom. And... Uh, it's uh, it's made primarily what well, was originally made in Bangladesh, cost a dollar and a half to make, and we realized that uh, uh, from Center for Disease Control in Atlanta that every 24 hours, 2,000 children in the world die just because latrines don't have a lid to snap closed so that the insects don't spread disease and mm. you know have 2,000 uh, deaths every 24 hours in the world. Think about that; it's absolutely yeah. mind, right? So, so we came to Haiti with the Sado toilet, and our viewers could take a look. There's a, there's a YouTube video of me installing the first one of these Sado toilets in a home uh, outside of Port-au-Prince in 2014. So I have the credit of installing the first Sado toilet in the uh, Western Hemisphere. And uh, so brought the vice president of American Standard with me to Haiti to illustrate this, uh, this product. And he was so inspired by what we do that he uh, donated 8,000 of those toilet pans, including the shipping from Bangladesh to Florida. And then we work with Food for the Poor to distribute them in 17 uh, different Latin American and uh, South American countries. And uh, so Lixel now is the owner of American Standard uh, from Tokyo. And uh, so they're hoping that by the year 2020, they can reach 20 million people in the world with the Sado toilet pan. And they're already at like 9 million. So, oh, man. Uh, so Sado, S-A-T-O, it's an safe toilet. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, device. And uh, we, uh, we were involved in the modification and the adaptation of that for the culture over here in uh, the Western Hemisphere where sitting versus squatting is the norm. Yeah. And so we, we helped American Standard to develop that product. And uh, so we're extremely oh. proud of that. that so, so that's how kind of how we got going. And so, you know, uh, like I said, I was like the test, uh, the test dummy to uh, <laughs> first, first plumber and plumbers that have orders to go to a foreign country on behalf of uh, plumbers that have orders to see if we could really do something. And it turns out that we could. So now, 
just to give you an update, so we built a, a, a surgical center in, uh, in, uh, in uh, the St. Boniface Hospital in uh, the southwest part of Haiti, and we just are finishing up now an infectious disease uh, center there. And this is these are big projects. They have like 20 water closets in the surgical center. So, uh-huh. so this is a bill for the country of Haiti, and it's a hospital that probably serves the entire southwest part of Haiti, probably two or three million people. And uh, so we had plumbers from Canada come and uh, volunteer because in this case, you know, we're building a hospital, so we need, you know, real plumbers. And so we had volunteers right. come, and uh, the St. Boniface Hospital has the ability to house and feed them. And so they stayed there for a couple of months and uh, built the whole uh, project. Uh-huh. And we, uh, we had uh, uh, plumbers go to uh, Ethiopia, and uh, we, we, we worked at the uh, Black Lion Hospital, I think it was, in uh, Ethiopia. And when we arrived, the, uh, the surgeons would uh, pre-scrub for surgery by having the nurse take a five-gallon bucket and throw water on their hands. And when we left, they had hot and cold water faucets uh, in surgical sinks. So, uh-huh. uh, so we've done some amazing things. And uh, we've had, you know, volunteers, uh, you know, from uh, uh, Sierra, you know, work in Sierra Leone. You know, we work in Africa. Uh, you know, I think we, Nepal. I think so you see been in Nepal. Yeah, Nepal, Nepal has a big mm-hmm. issue. We need volunteers in Nepal right now because Nepal uh, had an earthquake there about a year ago, and mm-hmm. they're still struggling from that. And uh, you know, it's it's difficult to get volunteers and to coordinate these projects in these you know distant places like like Nepal. But uh, it's so challenging, you, but rewarding. How, how do you get your volunteers? I mean, how how yeah. could I mean, how, how can uh, we help or if, for those of us that are interested or? So, so all of the listeners, you know, everybody, anybody uh, can, uh, it's uh, plumberswithoutborders.org. And, you know, we have a website, we have a Facebook page. Uh, you can just basically Google Plumbers Without Borders and, you know, 50 pages pops up. We've been fortunate to be broadcast, uh, you know, on uh, CNN, Huffington Post, you know, all over the world. Uh, we've been recognized now. And uh, so volunteers can uh, log on to our, our website. We have an interesting database where the volunteers put their information, you know, their skill level, their, uh, you know, their ability to travel and, you know, things like that. So they log on to that into the database. And then the database simultaneously is taking information from charitable organizations that need the, the help of plumbers like us uh, from all over the world. And then the database meshes the two of them together. And then, then the the volunteer works with that charitable organization, and you know makes the arrangements to uh, to go and uh, and uh, and help. And uh, and you don't have to be a you know a full fledged master plumber. You could be a journeyman and do this with no problem because you know we're not building hospitals on a regular basis. Often we're hooking up water purification systems with you know some three quarter inch PVC nineties and stuff. And so you just, uh, you just need to understand the uh, concepts, right? Exactly. Right. Right. And. Uh, so it's uh, you know it's been extremely successful and extremely rewarding, um, and uh, so that that's that's how we operate. Oh man, great, a great organization. I know that um, when uh, you know when we first got to know you, Fred, that uh, uh, the relationship here is building. Both my wife and I just uh, you know it piqued our ears and our interest, and uh, it's certainly that uh, we're interested in. And you know, I've talked with a lot of guys that you know have a heart. Um, sure. want to take our, you know, our skill and be able to share it with others um, around the world. So this is a, a huge opportunity. Um, you know, we have, what's that famous post? In fact, I think it's an American Standard poster, you know, that says, uh, oh. you know, plumbers are the. Yeah, so I'll tell you about that because we're okay. working to change. 
because so the poster is from the early 1900s and it's uh, yeah. you know it's the plumber and you know all of us plumbers have seen that poster and it's the plumber protects the health of the nation yeah so plumbers without borders and, and me personally we've been working uh vigorously to change that the plumber protects the health of the world so there we go just, we're way beyond the nation you know yeah and uh, we we do projects here in the United States. You know, we uh, we just did a vegetable garden project in uh, Seattle. Uh, we help uh, with a homeless project, building a trailer with a washer and a dryer and showers in Seattle area for the homeless to be able to do uh, hot showers and wash their clothes, you know. And uh, we work with Habitat for Humanity here in the United States. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a global effort. And uh, Yeah, we got way back. We have, I uh, just want to say hello to Mark that's uh, from Windsor, Ontario. His uh, his countrymen, I guess we're just you just mentioned uh, had Canadian plumbers down in Haiti working. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's a wonderful opportunity and uh, and the needs never ending. You know, it's not like we're going to run work, uh, you know, the uh, and I think one of the interviews I did several years ago the, with NPR, they asked me, you know, so what did you learn, you know, in five years now of Plumbers Without Borders? And so my, my standard answer is, is that we learned that the problem is much greater than we imagined. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I can't, yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. And, uh, well, there we go, guys. Let's check it out. Um, what was that? It was www.plumberswithoutborders.org. Uh, .org. Yes. And so we exactly. go. Yep, information's there. So uh, you know, let's check it out. Um, you'll you'll probably hear uh, uh, more of the um, the million dollar plumber here talking about it here on Potty Talk Live, and it is just um, something that's on uh, our hearts here. And and um, you know, hey, we take um, you know we take for granted having safe drinking water and um, sanitary conditions. You know, and and uh, and it feels good to uh, hey, we're all about. Uh, you know, I'm proud, you know, we're all about making money with plumbing, uh, but there's uh, an important part to giving back as well. So um, there's opportunity to give back here. So check it out if that's on your heart as well. All right. Hey, um, hey, Fred, just to change it up a little bit here, you know, we're in that, you know, you've been around the block a lot, seen a lot of things. You know, sure. what kind of, um, um, you know, what's the best advice that you've ever received that uh, you'd like to like to share with the guys here? So I think the best advice I, I received, uh, like I said, you know, I worked for the mayor of Miami Beach and, uh, you know, they had been in business for about 35 years when I showed up there as a 22 year old, uh, just returning home from the service. So, so they were well versed. And so uh, I think that, uh, you know, the, the number, the couple of things, the, the major advice that I could give is one is that you do the best job that you can on every time you pick up a tool, you give it 110%, whether you're making money whether you're losing money, whatever the situation is, you give it 110%. You do your absolute best and you never deviate from that because that reputation for that quality of craftsmanship will feed you and your family for the rest of your life, you know, and, uh, and then uh, stay humble, you know, uh, don't get, uh, don't get ahead of yourself, you know, uh, no matter what uh, level of success that, uh, that you arrive at, uh, you know, uh, just remember how you got there and who you are and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, stay humble. Hey, hey guys, we just got a couple, um, couple, you know, huge nuggets of gold here from, um, experience. Uh, so true. Hey, uh, you know, thanks Fred. Hey, it's been, um, 
Um, it's been great, man. I've enjoyed this. Has been I, I've enjoyed enjoyed the information, and um, I just appreciate you, you know, sharing uh, your story. And um, you know, and I, I don't know how to say this um, without coming off kind of corny, but you know, thank you for all your work. You know, and thank you for all that you're doing, and uh, thank you for um, you know lifting us all up and uh, pointing us in a direction and and uh, making us look good. You know, <laughs> everybody who's listening, come help me out. There we I, go. I've got plenty to do. And, All right. Uh, there's a, there's an opportunity waiting for you to get back, and uh, we'd really appreciate it if you'd uh, become you know part of our team and, and work with us. It would be uh, extremely rewarding, and uh, and the world will be a better place as a result of it. All right. Hey, there, there you go, guys. Um, a call for all uh, all plumbers on deck. All right. We go to www.plumberswithoutborders.org, and uh, we'll check it out. Okay. All right, Fred. Hey, great. We're about running out of time here in our broadcast window. Need to move on here. It's been great. Uh, again, thank you for being on uh, Potty Talk Live, and uh, I look forward to talking with you again real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, all right. Thanks, Fred. All right, man. Hey, there you go, guys. Hey, Mr. Uh, Fred Schilling uh, with uh, Plumbers Without Borders. Um, great organization. You know, um, check it out. I know you're busy. You know, so hard. To, you know, so easy to get caught up in our own lives. And yeah, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm there, too. Um, and um, but, uh, you know, check it out. It's a, it's a great opportunity for us to, um, you know, do some good. So there's probably all different kinds of ways that we can uh, support that. And it's right up our alley, right? You know, plumbing, you know, we're, uh, you know, plumbing uh, saves the world. All right. So, hey, it's a chance for us to be a superhero. There you go. All right. Hey, it's about time to uh, flush this episode of Potty Talk Live. And um, again, as always, I just want to remind you that you were purposefully and wonderfully created to do great things. So when you're out there, out there, uh, plumb safe. All right. Be careful, but plumb safe. And as always, plumb like a champion.